Hello and welcome to the Knitting on the Run podcast, where it's always knitting and running in 30 minutes or less. I'm Windswept Monique on Ravelry and Instagram. You could email me at windswiftmonique at gmail.com or visit my new website at windsweptknits.com where you can stream the podcast and read show notes. And here's my cat visiting for the day. <laughs> Hi, Callie. Callie is our nearly 17-year-old kitty, so we pretty much let her have free reign. Thank you so much for listening. There are literally thousands of podcasts out there for you to choose from, and I am so honored that you are taking a few minutes out of your busy day to listen to mine. Segments this week include FOs, whips, pattern stocking, training update, and running talk. And a quick preview of running talk this week, we are going to talk about why your butt is so important. I have one finished object this week. That is my hitchhiker shawl knit out of Makimo by Fiber Lady in the Scrumptious Berries colorway, which is a gorgeous colorway that goes from a raspberry pink all the way to a blackberry deep, deep purple. Not quite black, but really, really deep and rich. It's a 100% bamboo yarn, and I have loved working with this. And I also love finally having my own hitchhiker. I've knit so many of these for so many other people. It's really nice to have my own. I've worn it several times already because up until today, it has been extremely unseasonably cold here in New England. Uh, Today is nice, thankfully, but it's been rather frigid, and it's not been fun, so having a new shawl to wear has been really nice. On two whips, I have been a fairly almost monogamous knitter, you could say, the past week or so. I've only been working on two op- two um, projects this week. The Changing Staircases pattern, uh, the shawl is by Jenga Knits, and I'm knitting that up in Musu by Fiber Lady in the Plum colorway, which is a light to mid-tone purple in a lace weight bamboo base. I'm about 40% done with that, and I'm really liking this yarn. I definitely want to use it again going forward. This pattern is nice. It's a little more brain-intensive than a hitchhiker, but it also has more visual interest, so it's still simple enough to knit at karate, swimming, soccer, birthday parties, etc., um, but it's it definitely keeps you interested, and visually, like wearing it, I've seen people wear this shawl. Um, it definitely has much more visual interest on a body, which is nice. I've also been working on my 52-stitch sock. This is my current car knitting, so I am slowly chugging away on it. I am still on the first foot. I am knitting it toe up, and I am not yet to the heel. I'm knitting it in two shades of Kobasi by Haiku, which is a sock yarn made out of cotton, bamboo, silk, and nylon. And I am doing the toes, heels, and cuffs out of um, the raspberry colorway which is leftovers from my Mahalo sock that I knit last year. And I'm doing the body and leg of the foot, or leg of the sock, out of a um, blend of grays. It's a gray variegated colorway, which the name is escaping me, but I will put it in the show notes. But they look really nice together. They actually remind me of a pair of running socks I used to own by uh, Taiko, which was the almost the exact same gray and purple, which is, or gray and pink, I should say, which is not what I meant when I paired these two together, but I think it was happening subconsciously when I paired these two together. For wearables, so up until today, it's been cold, and we have worn lots of sweaters, way too many for early April, in my opinion. Thing One has worn his Star Wars sweater at least twice more in the last week, and Thing Two has been wearing a very old sweater I knit for Thing One years and years and years ago when I didn't document much on Ravelry. It was a free pair 
free pattern from Sirdar, but I can't find it online anymore. I was going to link to it, and I have scoured the interwebs and the Ravelry databases and all sorts of places, and I can't find it online anymore. It was a V-neck uh, cable pattern, so it was a socket. It was a really pretty cable in the front, and then a, a ribbed V-neck, and that's what the pattern was called. It was a V-neck baby pattern. And I, I can't find it, so I'm sorry, I cannot link that one to you in the show notes, but there, Sirdar has dozens of other cabled baby patterns if you're looking for a very cute, very cute cable pattern for a baby. You know, they have a lot of them. I've also worn my Maristella shawl and my new Hitchhiker shawl a few times because it's been ridiculously chilly here. Uh, going forward, we're going to have some seasonable temperatures, so I'm hoping to wear the shawls this week, but I'm hoping I can stop <laughs> <laughs> my cold sweaters. Oh, and there's one more. I nearly forgot. I wore my Empire Top from designer Lily Go. I wore that yesterday, and that was a fun one. I knit that last summer, those of you who've been listening for a while. That was the pattern that was sort of cross-bodied uh, across the bust, and then you knit, you overlap them, and then knit in the round from there down, so you have to like, knit from the front piece and the back piece. I'm, I'm explaining this poorly, but... Um, if you've ever worn uh, a top that crisscrosses at the bust, you knit that top piece in one go back and forth, and then you you do the crossing over as if you were wearing it, and then you knit in the round from there. It's a really neat design. I definitely enjoyed making it, and uh, that was a fun one. And I have to say, it looks really good with a pair of skinny jeans and a pair of knee-high boots. On to pattern stocking. I seem to be in a sweater coat kick recently. A lot of the ones I'm looking up online, as well as the dancing dragon's coat that I'm actually making. And I found one in, you know, getting lost on Ravelry, of course, as one does. I found the pattern called Tisane, T-I-S-A-N-E, by Maria Olson. And this is a sort of spring-summer version of the sweater coat. So it's got three-quarter length sleeves. And looking at the pictures, it is a stockinette stitch from the shoulders down to the bust. And it's buttoned there, and then there's a tie. Like, you actually knit, looks like an I-cord of some sort, and weave that through. Tie that just under the bust. And then it's um, open from there, so a split. It's a cardigan, essentially. And split from there, and the bottom portion of the body, which goes down below your hips, is a beautiful lace pattern. And I thought that would just be absolutely gorgeous, you know, on, on a cool summer evening, or you know, in the spring and fall, to throw over something when you're leaving the house, but you don't want a full coat or something like that. And I'm, I'm really, really, really loving the look at this. Um, obviously, I have not cast it on yet. I have way too many patterns in the work as it is, but um, I definitely wanted to share this with you folks because this pattern is just gorgeous. It's in my favorites on Ravelry, and once my list of projects sort of calms down a little bit, maybe for next spring, I think I really want to knit myself this pattern. Now for our running segments. First up, we'll do a quick training update. I am still swimming as my cross training, and it is finally getting easier. So last week, I think I mentioned I swam about 150 yards, and uh, this month, past Monday, I swam 250 Woohoo! Felt so good. I won't say it's easy, per se, as freestyle is still hard. Like, I, I find the freestyle discipline of swimming very, very challenging, and my form is abysmal. But I can do it, and I'm getting better at it. 
what I'm actually doing is I'm swimming freestyle in one direction across the pool and then swimming breaststroke back. Breaststroke is my stronger stroke. For me, I find that very easy. I could swim breaststroke for quite a long ways. Hi, Callie. Sorry, the kitty cat is back. The problem with swing breaststroke for somebody who has knee issues is that it's kind of a, instead of a straight leg kick, like you see in the Olympics, in most of the disciplines in the Olympics, breaststroke is actually like a frog kick, so it's the worst thing you could do for your knee. So that's why I'm trying to work on my freestyle, and been working on my rotary breathing, and I think something clicked finally this week in doing the rotary breathing. It's still not coming naturally, but it's definitely getting easier. And, you know, seeing progress in any discipline, even something that you're that bad at, just you know makes you feel so much better. So I'm really glad. I am also keeping up with the strength training. I've started some new strength training stuff, uh, but it's, since it's brand new, I'm going to wait and hold off till next week till I have a little more experience and I can review it a little better. And uh, then we can talk about it. And now on to running talk. Let's talk about butts. Your rear ends, your glutes, your tush, whatever you want to call them. Your gluteus muscles are some of the most important muscles for running and walking, but in so many of us, they don't actually work the way they're supposed to, which sounds really weird because, you know, your butts are you know, one of the biggest muscle groups in your body. You figured, oh yeah, of course they work. Well, no, not really. Thanks to our modern sedentary lifestyles, and so many of us have office jobs, we're sitting down a lot, if not all day, many of our pelvises actually tilt too far forward and our butts don't engage when they're meant to leaving other muscle groups to take over the load and then getting strained when they're doing work they're not designed to do. I am definitely guilty of this and of not realizing it. And that is how I ended up with two very badly sprained hamstrings during my marathon and several months of physical therapy afterwards because of it. So this is a cause near and dear to my heart. And if I can stop one of you, two of you from having to go through what I did, then this will definitely be worth it. So first, I'm going to cover a couple tests that you can do at home to see if your glutes are weak, and then I'll talk about some glute strengthening exercises, and I've got a bunch of links in the show notes that you guys can go to to do some further reading on your own, including some stuff that you can work on how to get your glutes firing again when they're supposed to. So test number one. So uh, this was called the chair of death by some researchers. So uh, to start this test, you stand in front of a chair with your feet under it and your knees touching the seat. Now put your arms out in front of you and squat down. Now your goal is to not let your knees push into the chair. If you find that your knees are hitting the chair or even worse are moving the chair, your glutes are not working properly. And test number two is an old-fashioned bridge. That's where you lie on your back with your knees bent and your feet flat on the floor. You know, hold your arms either out to your side or down by your sides. Now, use your butt, lift your hips up to make a straight bridge from shoulders to knees. The question is, where do you feel it? If you feel stress anywhere but your butt, you aren't activating your glutes enough. So you could feel it in your hamstrings, you could feel it in your lower back, and therein lies the problem. Those muscle groups are now compensating for your weak glutes. So some exercises you can do to strengthen your glutes are, you know, traditional lunges, runner's lunges, or, you know, bent leg leg lunges. Squats are great, too, if you have proper form. 
Always remember, never have your knee go past your toes. Always make sure your knees are tracking in line with your toes. So if your foot is going off to 45 degrees and your knees going straight ahead, that is bad. You want your knees and your toes to be aligned and you never want your knees to go past your toes or you're putting a lot more stress on your knees than they are designed to take. When you're doing a squat properly, you actually want to be like you're about to sit down into a chair. Stick your butt out way behind you. If you're you know, think you're, you're cheating a little bit and you feel like you're going a little bit too far forward, put a chair in front of you and you can see when your knee bangs into the chair, just like with that test one I mentioned earlier. You can also do things like, you know, hold onto a wall for support, especially if you're worried about your balance or if you have access to those TRX style ropes, you can hold onto the ropes and, you know, don't, don't use your arms to take all the body weight. But if you're worried about, say, your knees, and I've done this when my knees are acting up and I still want to do a good glute workout, I will hold on to TRX ropes to take some of my body weight off, and that way I can still do a squat without putting all that pressure on my knees. There's definitely ways you can adjust these exercises to fit your lifestyle and ability. Also, there are there is a great exercise called a prone leg extension. So what you want to do is lie on your stomach and then have your legs straight out behind you on the floor and use your butt, use your glutes to lift your leg up off the floor. You know, hold for a couple seconds and put it down and then alternate the other side. Lift the leg up, put it down. If holding for a couple seconds is too hard, then you can just lift it up and put it down and progress as you get stronger. There's also an exercise that I have not done personally, um, but I have been told by a physical therapist that this is an option. Um, bridges with weights. So lie on your back like you're going to do a bridge, knees bent, feet fat on the floor, and put a light weight, something like a soup can or a three-pound dumbbell, something very light on your lower abdomen. The extra weight is something your body isn't used to, so it will make your glutes engage. And I've I've been told to stress light weights. Do not put a 10-pound dumbbell on your lower abdomen. (laughs) That is not recommended. You know, just get a can of Campbell soup from your cabinet. That's all you need, just something to make your body weight feel different so that your glutes have to engage. Also, if you're doing bridges and you're doing them high and you feel like your lower back or your hamstrings are engaging where your glutes should be, don't go up as high. Just lift your butt a few inches off the floor. Better, It's better to have good form and have the right muscle groups firing and not go as high than to get a really high bridge and have the wrong muscle groups working. One last exercise I'm going to talk about is deadlifts. So to do this, you stand in front of a kettlebell or two dumbbells or even two soup cans. Just you need some kind of weight and something you're comfortable carrying. Take a hip width to shoulder width stance with your knees slightly bent. Now bend forward at your hips. Hinge at the hips, not the waist. Grab your weights. Use your glutes and your hamstrings to lift your torso and stand straight up. Now lower the weights by hinging back at the hips and allowing your glutes to move backwards. Keep the weights close to your body, almost touching the front of your legs, and go back down. Now, if you're flexible, you could put the bar back, or you could put the weights back on the floor. If you're not quite that flexible, then you could just come back up and do, you know, another repetition. Do whatever repetition that your body can handle, and then gently bend the knees into the hips and put the weights back on the floor. Now, I'm going to warn you, this is something I learned the hard way. If you've never done a deadlift and you have weak glutes and hamstrings, you are going to hurt the next day. (laughs) So if this is an exercise that you have not done or not done much of, start with light weights, go slowly, 
do fewer reps than you think you will so that you will be able to walk around your house the next day. <laughs> I speak from experience on this one. So to sum up, your legs are a lot like a fulcrum or the pendulum on a clock. Picture that. Your glutes are what powers that movement. So on a clock, the pendulum goes side to side. Well, if you picture yourself at an angle, your leg goes, your front to back motion of your leg is a lot like that pendulum on a clock and your butt, your glutes are what push that fulcrum and keep that motion going. So get those glutes strong and prevent injuries down the road. I am linking to a bunch of articles in the show notes that could help you do some more reading if you're interested in going further on this topic. And as always, I am not a medical professional. If you are looking to start a new exercise program and haven't exercised for a while, it's always good to seek out professional medical advice to get cleared before you start exercising. And if you are feeling pain of any kind, always please go checked out by a qualified medical health professional. My goal here is to provide you with information and to help you prevent injuries. I am going to end the show with one uh, short announcement. Next week is April School Vacation Week here in Massachusetts, and that means I have both boys by myself all week. Yeah. Um, so, no recording next week. <laughs> now, we have some fun things planned. Uh, I'm, I'm not dreading it. But I know trying to squeeze in a recording with both kids home for nine days straight, it's just not going to happen. So no show next week, but I should be back the week after. My microphone has arrived. I am just having a little bit of difficulty getting it to work with my sound card. So you might hear that quality this week is not quite what it normally is. I'm still using an alternate mic. But I wanted to get this show out to you uh, and not wait around while I struggled around with technology because honestly, even though my background is in IT, audiovisual recording is not my forte, ironically, says the podcaster. But I hope you all have a wonderful week and keep those needles and legs moving. Bye bye. Mm-hmm.